What's going on, guys? My name is Mike. My name is Mecca. And this is the Black Sheep Podcast, a podcast presented by the Black Wall Street Times. Hey, it's going to be hosted by two guys that find their voices being out of the ordinary. So I hope you join us for a conversation about news, culture, and really the things that matter. We're here to be bold, be different, but most importantly, we're here to be heard. So we appreciate you guys following along on this journey with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to all our social media platforms. That way you stay up to date with our latest episodes. All right. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the first episode of the Black Sheep Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Mike. And I am your co-host, Mecca. I mean, we're both. We're both hosts. Okay. Co-hosts. Well, I am your host, Mecca. Um, Bro, so yeah. we got a lot of stuff going on in the world today. Lots of things going on today. Um, this actually, we were shooting to record this a couple of weeks ago when other things were going on, but I got COVID and... Now I'm fully recovered. How was your COVID experience? Um, it wasn't as bad as, of course, others. Wait, were you vaccinated? I was vaccinated. Okay. Actually, I got vaccinated back in, in June. Um, and yeah, I, I felt it. I caught COVID, I think, from an event where I was shooting photography at and... Um, I, I felt it coming on. Like I, I felt my throat starting to to get a tickle and then a cough developed and um then body aches came, which I've never had like a, a sickness before really where there I've had body aches. So that was a first time experience for me. And that was something that was awful in the sense of like every time I moved, um, you know, it, it just literally hurt to move. I remember us talking uh, talking beforehand. You thought it was a sinus infection. I don't remember that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Sinus? Don't you have sinuses? Like, I remember last year, didn't you have some issues with sinuses? Nah, man, I don't know. Okay, see. Um, but, fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, it, it came on and it just progressively got worse over a couple of days. Um, and so I went and took a COVID test, a... Um, one of the PCR tests because I had a friend who had taken a rapid test. Actually, that was with me and her rapid test came back negative. Um, but then it turns out later on that her PCR test was actually positive uh, for COVID. And so I went and took a test. Um, I was, I tested positive for COVID then began the, the two week isolation period. And man, that brought back like almost PTSD from 2020 uh, just being isolated. Luckily I had my dog, this time, last year during COVID, I think I, I'd, I think I got my dog right at the beginning of uh, quarantine yeah, in 2020. <clears throat> and, um, but yeah, man, it sucked. It sucked being isolated for weeks on end. So would you say that was the worst symptom? Like, not necessarily the worst part about it was the isolation or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Going, going back to being isolated for uh, two weeks, you know, after we all had experienced that as like the world in 2020 and then coming out of that, it's like, okay, never want to do that again. And then having to go back and do something that you never wanted to do again. Um, that was awful. And you know, the weather is nice now. There, there are different events going on because Oklahoma's opening, well, not opening back up. Oklahoma has been open since 2020. Okay. So let me ask you this question. Now, since you've had COVID, it's that Delta variant that's been spreading around. What do you think that, what do you think should be happening right now in our city? 
Because right now, we don't have a mask mandate. We've got everything open. Should we have a mask mandate? Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Oklahoma is, has always, number one, always been open. We've never, like, closed down or anything like that, even in Tulsa. We, what was it, like, two weeks, I think, we might have. Uh, yeah, we did a little rolling stop. With <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a shutdown. It was a rolling stop. That's perfect. Um, that encapsulates what Oklahoma's view on the pandemic really has been. Um, but it sucks, man. It sucks seeing, uh, you know, our hospitals be completely full here in Oklahoma, us having like really no ICU beds. Um, I've got a, I mean, we both have a ton of friends here in the medical field. Um, and I'm constantly asking them like, yo, are, are our hospitals as bad as the news say they are? Um, do we really not have any beds right now? And all of them are like, yeah, are we, yeah. we don't have, you know, there aren't any ICU beds or anything like that. So it just makes me think, not even from a COVID standpoint, which, you know, it, it's awful that people are contracting this, but if anything happens, if you get into a car accident, if a, a shooter goes on a rampage here in Tulsa or anything like that, we don't have any ICU beds wow. to, to treat quickly. those people. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but you know what? This was the whole reason why we went to the lockdown to begin with last year was to get like supplies so that we didn't have a backup in ICU. And here we are like in positions worse than what we feared last year. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does suck. What's crazy. I just saw a report that. So New Zealand just had their New Zealand is on lockdown right now. For one case of COVID, hey, they're not playing. That 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 leader, she's not playing. They, she is not playing, and, and it's crazy because I was, I haven't even looked at the comment section. Whenever I see um, when I saw that news story, because I didn't want to see what the comment section said, but like the emojis, like the number, the the main reactions to it were all like likes and 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 loves, and I was like, oh wow. So like, I think people are respecting the way like New Zealand handled the the you know the has handled the pandemic um and it's just like man i wish we had some kind of like leadership like that because it sucks i mean it, it sucks for all of us like i'm sure new zealand like they would even say like yo this sucks we don't want to do this but sometimes in life like you have to do things that you don't want to do but it's not even that, like it's an america thing it's not like a leadership thing because it don't matter who's leading it, it don't matter who says what whatever mandates going in people are going to be america is going to be america people are going to still do their thing because who are we who are we to be told what to do you know so yeah yeah how is how has that played out for you here in in tulsa as far as um you know circles that you run in here in tulsa relationships things like that like how has it played out with the people kind of doing what they want to do? And Man, I'll tell you what, early, early pandemic, I mean, it really put a strain on relationships where you see people who, like, didn't believe in, like, COVID. It was like, like the, the pandemic, and it was like... I, every time I hear that word, a piece of me dies. Uh, I know. Whenever I, someone says the word pandemic, I just want to smack them. Like, I feel you there. But in that, that was its own thing, and then, you know, people started getting sick. I mean, heck, you know, you getting sick too is like, oh, like, okay, that makes this, you know, I'm vaccinated, but it's still one of those things where it's like, yo, there's still breakthrough infections. I'm in a, in a, I'm, you know, I'm a wheelchair user. And so I know early in this, early, early last year, there was a, like a big fear for health. Um, once I got my vaccination, I was pretty, I felt pretty 
fine. I felt good being back out and stuff. And then now it's like, all right, I'm almost back to that level of like, mm, like a little worried now, you know, got to put, put my mask on it indoors and things like that. And it's like really just trying to see what is our way out from this? Like, is this, you know, there's, I'm no longer looking at COVID as a thing that of we're going to get to an end and we're not going to think about it anymore. I think last year we were all thinking about that and it was like vaccines were going to be the, the, the savior. All, yeah. that's, that's how it was presented. Like, yo, we're going to flatten the curve and we're going to crush this thing. Well, we probably would have had we all teamed up and did we what we were been supposed like to New do. Zealand. Yeah, we did what we were supposed to do. But again, that's why we're having all of the, you know, the, you know, as the virus transfers from people to people, it, it learns. And so now it's more so looking at COVID as a thing that we're going to live with. Because uh, now we're talking about booster shots in the fall. I'm not excited for that, but... I don't know. Did you have any reaction when you got your shots? No, I didn't. So I don't really ever get sick. Like I, I do get like tonsillitis once a year, but outside of that, like I rarely get sick. <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh, this man coughing COVID. On me. So that's why, uh, <laughs> that, oh, that's going to be a blooper. Um, so that's why like even like, catching COVID was kind of um, alarming for me. The fact that, number one, I was vaccinated. Number two, I don't really ever get sick. So for me to like, get this, I was like, oh, damn. Like, this is... Bro, I'd have been, I'd, I'd have been freaked out had I got it. I, I mean, honestly. And so for, for those two weeks where I'm, like, isolated by myself, I'm having to really focus on my thoughts during that time period because, you know, I'm a firm believer that, like, mentally, but we think about, like, diagnosis and things like that. We can make things a lot worse than, than they are. Um... And so the, the whole time, you know, I was sick, I was constantly focusing on my thoughts. Like, yo, this is like, number one, this is not going to take you out. Like, uh, you know, whenever I would get a little cough um, or like a little shortness of breath and I could like feel the anxiety start to pick up, I just like, you know what, calm down and breathe as much as you can. Yeah, um, because, you know, it's great. Everyone, everyone that is filling up the ICUs are mostly people that are not vaccinated. Right. And so, I mean, the vaccine, the vaccination is, the vaccine is helping with people getting, you know, not getting as sick. And so I wonder again, you, but you still had to fight some thoughts on like, yo, am I, is this going to be, is this going to take me out? Like, I think I would, I would have been fearful like that too. Yeah. I mean, every single night I would sit at home on my couch, you know, I'm, I'm watching TV uh, it's the shortness of breath, I think, was the scariest thing. Uh, to me, that's like one of the, that would be one of my most terrifying ways to die is like suffocation. Like we're literally trying to breathe and you can't. Um, preceded by drowning. Drowning is probably one of the worst ways to die, I think. Uh, look, I've had this conversation numerous Fire times. Fire or drowning? Which one would you rather go? I'd go drowning. I, I think so too. Uh, but you know what they say is that you, they say you'll die from smoke inhalation before, like before you burn. Yeah, forget forget the smoke. It's it's well vented. You which one are you go like fire? Oh, I'm going dry. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to be cooked. Right. Like, like, <laughs> like I, I watch a turkey every now. I, I ain't trying to be that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and that's a huge fear from is like just not being able to breathe because breathing is something that's you know. It's, we do it unconsciously. So to have to like focus on breathing for me, when I was at home, it was a, um, I mean, that brought up like some anxiety. And so I'm like, yeah, constantly having to like 
train my mind like, yo, this is fine. Either change positions, like sit up, stand up for a minute, let your lungs. Like my mom is a nurse. And so my mom was telling me, you know, to make sure I'm doing deep lung exercises, like taking deep breaths, really like working to expand my lungs that way, you know, no, pneumonia doesn't have a chance to set in or anything like that. And so uh, there's a big mental aspect, I feel like, of COVID, especially because we hear about how in the news, how bad it is. You know, it's like 600,000 lives, I believe, have been, have been lost, unfortunately, with it and stuff. And so when you hear all of that, it's easy for the mind just to wander and be like, yo, this is going to be the end of me. And so a big part of my two weeks was, you know, telling myself, don't make it worse than what it really is. Um, but I mean, with you, so you're, so you work in the schools, your schools are about to start back up here. Schools actually started today in the first, is the first day for a lot of people. Um, how do you feel about as far as like mask mandates in the schools since, since you're going to be in the schools with students and stuff like that? Like what are, what are your thoughts there? I think that you a mask mandate is probably the simplest thing that you can do to avoid an outbreak because the worst case scenario is there's an outbreak and you shut down school for two weeks. There, there was a school because I remember last year when we first went back to in person, soon after going back in person, there was a school in, like in Vertigris that shut down for two weeks as soon as we went back. And so, I mean, if you're going to try to prevent the worst case scenario, how about we do the easiest thing to prevent the worst case scenario? And so, I mean, kids are going to be kids, but you still got to put rules in place and, and, and give them some guidance on what to do. So I would definitely, at my school, you ain't coming in unless you got a mask. And so I think that, you know, we're still, I think we're still going to do our temperature check. We're still going to do um, uh, masking. And so I'm, I, I, I would, it, to me, it's crazy for uh, anyone not to do that. You know, you're looking at different states where it's like they're fighting with superintendents for saying that they want kids to wear masks. They're threatening them with their checks like that. That don't make sense. How do you how do you threaten a school for being, you know, for taking public health actions with the thing that we say is the most vulnerable? And that's our kids. The craziest shit that I have seen has been these uh, school board meetings with, you know, parents um, there, you know, school board meetings discussing if a mandate, mask mandate is going to be put in place. And of course, you know, you have the public there, the parents there and stuff speaking up. But some of the wildest videos I've seen ever have been the way some of these parents have spoken up um, at the meetings, the things that they're, they're saying. Um, <clears throat> and then even afterwards, once the meetings are done, I saw some videos from Tennessee where, you know, doctors and nurses who testified in the meeting saying, hey, like, you know, this, this, is, this would be beneficial for us to have a mask mandate. Their lives being threatened after those school board meetings are done, like the mobs of people surrounding their cars saying, we know where you live, we're going to find you, we're going to make your life hell, for speaking up and saying that, <laughs> all right, for speaking up and saying, um, you know, that mask mandates would be beneficial. Like, basically, we're going to hunt you down for that. That's the wildest thing. I, I, I I've never thought I would see something like that. What do you think? I mean, I know that we live in the hyper-politicized, like, time where, you know, everything gets infused with politics. And so I think that you have people that are reacting out of, out of a certain 
motivation they don't that they don't even know is like driving them. Like again, this whole mask versus you know mask versus no mask, like vaccine versus no vaccine, is like why are, you know in the political lines that it's that it it it's drawn against like. How do we get out from that? Like, wh- how do we get away from this? That's a big question. Yeah, it's one that I'm not sure because... I'm just I, glad you didn't ask it to me, so go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> I don't understand why it even became political in the first place. Um, I, you know, uh, this whole... The whole masking is taking away my rights um, speech, and so that really... To me, I'm just like, man, there are so many other things that we can be fighting for as Americans, um, as Tulsans, as Oklahomans, but as a whole, as Americans, um, so many other changes we could be fighting for in our country. Uh, you know, how do we fix education in America? How do we fix our homeless popula- population or help that? How do we um, help our, our, our medical industry? People from going in, you know, bankruptcy from, uh, you know, medical bills and stuff. But we're fighting over a stupid piece of of cloth or whatever it is uh, over your face. Like that is the 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 fight that people are willing to to fight to the death for. And to me, it's like that's the hill people are willing to die. I didn't want to actually introduce that yet, which is why I, I got you. I know, but you know what's crazy? It's America. We don't really have. We don't have the greatest self-awareness um, or context awareness because, again, the things that we fight over here, we don't really know what struggles is. You know, there's so much well, going on. We don't know what losing your freedoms really look like. Let's, speaking on losing freedoms, let's talk about what's going on in Afghanistan. Yeah. I mean. So no transition God over here. But go ahead. <clears throat> oh, we just. A two-second pause for the transition. Um, yeah, abs. Like, I don't even know what to make of that. So we've we're in our thirties. We've. I remember as a kid. You know, of course, we remember September eleventh, um, which is where were you on that day? I was in sixth grade English class in the back of the classroom near the window. So I was actually, I was in Maryland at the time. I grew up in the East Coast. And so uh, right outside of Washington, D.C. in Montgomery County, um, sixth grade English class. It was like afternoon, like early afternoon, probably before lunch, I think. And um, I'll never forget my English teacher. She came in and she, she said they flattened, they flattened the, the World Trade Center. And I had no idea what, I didn't know if they were like really called the World Trade Center. To me, it was always the Twin Towers growing up. Um, so I was like, the World Trade Center, they flattened it. What does that even mean? Um, and then I think in one of my next classes, um, then the, the TVs, the, the teacher started turning on the TVs, you know, those big TV carts that they would yeah, push in. Yeah. They turn on the TVs and you're, and you're watching it and you're like, oh my God. Um, you, did you grasp it then? Well, yes, because then, so like all of our schools in the area, when we went to like code blue and stuff, because again, we're 30 minutes outside of DC, um, and, and the Pentagon. Um, so we're all like code blue starts. And then I start seeing kids getting plucked from the class one by one. Like, Hey, your parents are here to pick you up. Um, you know, some kids, their families, why did I say DC? 
Well, DC for the Pentagon, but okay, New York. It happened in New York. I don't know why I harped on DC for so long, but it was because of the Pentagon. I, you know, I had, we had friends whose families worked in, in DC. Uh, my uncle was actually in the Pentagon when, when it got hit. Um, Did it get hit? I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, <laughs> okay. Uh, it was like QAnon stuff, dog. <laughs> um, but yeah, just seeing like kids, get, and eventually like an hour into that, just school shut down. They let, they let everyone go from school. Um, and I remember my parents coming, my mom, my stepmom coming and picking me up and us going home, still not really having an idea like what is going on? You know, everyone's crying, leaving school. Uh, then I get to the house and turn on the TV and, you know, those images will stay in our brains forever. Um, but we remember what got us into this the, one, yeah, the, the war, war on terror yeah. in, into Afghanistan. Uh, so we've we've basically lived this for two thirds of our lives. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, me thinking we've been there for twenty years, and you know that that's one of the longest standing things in our lives has been this war on terror. So now we are. You know, pulling out of Afghanistan, and it's been a complete shit show. Yeah. Um, and right now, everyone's trying to blame each other. There's, you know, I heard a, I heard a quote someone said, "Failure is an orphan," like because nobody wants to own it. Nobody wants to own. You Damn. Know, yeah. So now we got everyone saying, "Is this person? Is that person?" Yeah. And honestly. It's from, not the right time for it to, to, to do that shit. From but from what I've from everything is it was like it there was not going to be any good way of of pulling out. Now there has been a, a colossal failure of the planning and the the execution. Um, just because I was kind of reading something on the timeline and trying to get people out, and the Taliban just having. Being so ready because one, it don't make sense to me how we just announced that, yeah, we're gonna be out from here, you know, we're we gonna be out by this date. Just telegraphing, letting them know, like, all right, bet. So, Taliban just sitting back, just going, all right, September 2nd, so, we, uh, we are going this. Like, they put their own plan together, they had a better plan put together than we had a plan coming out. So. Facts. Well, what's crazy, I mean, <clears throat> so, I mean, we're currently right now, we're, we're living through us, um. Pulling out all of our, you know, the U.S. Um, ambassadors and stuff like that from Afghanistan right now. We're kind of seeing that humanitarian crisis. But a few months ago, we remember we there was a we had an air force base there. We had a base in Afghanistan that. Yeah, we're gonna, you're gonna butcher it, but we literally left that base overnight without telling anyone there. We packed up. We moved. All of our people from the base and just left it in the dead of the night without telling the Afghani people, um, Af- the people, uh, the Afghans, I think is the correct um, term. But like, so like the fact that we like have, we started that before in the past, it's like, wait, like, why are we, why are we acting? Why is this the way that we're choosing to do this? Just spring this on them. Which is crazy is we, it would have made more sense to even just keep an air base and then you know, just this be the spot we getting people in and out from. Absolutely. Instead we got of one one spot, like instead of the images coming out of yeah, Kabul, the, the international airport, which it's terrible. I mean, when I saw I saw the video of that plane taking off and the person falling from the side of the plane, instant went back to September eleventh. Um, and just the 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 terror and the hopelessness someone 
has to feel in order to get, get to the point of, where they're yeah. where they're holding on to the side of a cargo plane, knowing that you're not going to be able to get inside the plane, knowing that I'm probably going to fall to my death. Uh, it brought me back to September 11th when you you know you saw the images of people uh, jumping from buildings on fire, and it's just like I know I'm not going to survive this, but I can't stay here any longer. Um, and that's again, those images I'm sure are going to be stuck in our brains forever. Um, but that's where it's like us here in America, we're crying about a mask. And yet there are people who are willing to hold on to the side of a cargo plane somewhere else because of shit that we've came in there and done. Um, it, it, it's hard. I feel a sense of like ownership in a sense for the situation in, in Afghanistan. Cause it's like, I'm an American and we came in and we've been there for 20 years and, you know, have ruined a lot of lives. Well, I, I won't just say we ruined a lot. I also say that, I mean, that 20 years wasn't necessarily in vain because there are some people there. There, I mean, you look at the girls and the different women that have been able to work. I mean, there are lives that have been drastically changed because of the presence uh, that America had Absolutely. there. And um, saved, lives saved. And, yeah. yeah, like it's, it's, it's one of those things where, again, it, life is that season's, um, we're looking at, the end of this season, you know, the way it's not ending well. Um, but I don't think that we should just look at the whole. It's not indicative thing of the as, entire yeah, thing. Yeah, for right. sure. No, absolutely not. Um, but, you know, actually, I just wrote I even wrote an article yesterday on, because, side note, I'm a journalist. That was like a, okay. I don't want to like humble brag. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay, he's the plug. Um, actually, for the Black Wall Street Times. Um, I actually wrote an article today about, uh, veterans responses to the way that we've pulled out because a lot of veterans are now speaking up um, and a lot of them are feeling a, a, a sense of hopelessness and, you know, questioning was the last 20 years in vain. You know, a fact that a lot of them um, can't get their interpreters or their interpreters families out of Afghanistan uh, into America, even though the interpreters helped them, Survive. I mean, survive for decades. Um, You know, there are people in Afghanistan who have helped our military, and the fact that we're not, the fact that they're not already here, they should already be here. When our military people came, they should have been coming. They should have been over on those planes with them. I can't imagine how hard it is for for a vet who, again, you're taught no man left behind, right? And it's like we got thousands of people right now, currently, right now that. If things hold the way they are, yeah, we're leaving a crap ton of people behind. And and the and the biggest thing is, the vets, um, you know, from the the articles and the videos I watched from them, were saying like we 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 promised to these people, hey, you know, if you help us in our, um, you know, in our military endeavors here, like if you help us on the back end, we're we gonna got get you. You know, right. we, we got you right. And so can you imagine like promising someone, you know, if you help me with this, I got you. 20 years passed, 10 years passed, however long the tours were, and then they leave, or like right now, current times, it's like, ooh, sorry. Like, I know I said I got you, but yeah, see the way things happen. Like, I, dude, I can't imagine the the mental toll that that must take on the veterans. Oh, I'm um, sure they're, they're experiencing some guilt. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I can't even imagine what that that. And that it's just feels awful. Like. And so, and, and but instead, our politicians, what they want to do, they want to point fingers like all of these, our congressmen and women, like the 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 finger pointing has been sickening. It's like, and, yo, screw that. We can do that later. Right now, the focus needs to be getting those people out of there. And the thing is, the 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 finger pointing doesn't make sense because the way things have gone down, no one can say. I am not. Are you right? Or I? Oh, I would have did the hindsight's twenty twenty. So everyone is going to capitalize and be like, "Oh yeah, I would have did this, this, this." When it's like, "Hey, this thing spans twenty years, two Republican presidents, two Democratic presidents, two administrations that agreed on how they're going to, you know, get out of Afghanistan, and this whole thing, this transition was fumbled." And it's crazy because I look at. It, it happens so fast, so fast. You know, the Paralympics are starting. One of the stories that that truly breaks my heart is the Paralympics were starting, and there was a athlete coming out of Afghanistan. She was the first female athlete, and she was going to be competing in Taekwondo. The Paralympics just shouted her out on Twitter, and literally a day or two, every, all hell breaks loose, and it's like she wasn't, her and her team weren't able to get out of Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, super sad for all the people there that... Are just are just victims of circumstance and and oh I hate it for them yeah yeah absolutely I mean this whole instance like the people who are catching like the, the wrong end of the deal here are the people from of Afghanistan the civilians uh, the the women and children like they're the ones who are hurt by this like of course it's a, you know I love the fact that we're bringing home like our troops and stuff I I hate the idea of war um, but it's like Man, we almost like why? Why couldn't we had we just we should have done this a different way to where, yeah, now women and children aren't or women and little girls aren't fearing for their lives and you know images of them are getting painted over now within days of I mean within hours of the Taliban moving in, images of women and children are being painted over now. Now they have to go back to these oppressive laws and it's like. Taliban is ruthless. Afghanistan took a, took leaps and bounds backwards in the matter of hours, and it's you know, and we 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 hold a lot of that blame. Yeah, we're America. gonna live with that. And so I hate that man. And you know, um, I mean, another issue going on in the world, uh, Haiti. Haiti just having um, another massive earthquake there. Uh, and and a actually, hurricane. Yeah, I mean, hurricane just blew over. It's probably maybe still have remnants there right now, but hurricane just going over um, within these past couple of days. But the earthquake uh, was last week. I think the death toll right now is up to like nineteen hundred. It's, it's about two thousand, and I mean, you're talking about coming off of just you know what twenty ten, where they had the massive earthquake. Was it twenty ten? Twenty ten, yeah, and that that was like a loss of life that was spent like over two hundred thousand people. Really? I think so. I didn't realize it was that high. It was very high. Port-au-Prince, the capital. And so Haiti just is getting hit. I almost feel like I got to fact check that to make sure. Yeah. Um, but Yeah. No, while you're doing I mean, yeah, it's, you know, I've, you know, with us being here in the Bible Belt, um, we've had, we've known friends who have gone on trips to Haiti to help with the rebuilding process, um, to help with the restoration and, and um, you know, all of the orphanages and everything else, building orphanages down there, homes for people and stuff. And, you know, over the past decade, we've had friends do that. And it just feels like, man, this, this place, this island can't catch a break. Um, 
and it's awful. It's heartbreaking. It's like, like how to me, like when I heard the number, uh, you know, uh, over a thousand, like last week, a couple of days after the earthquake had happened, it was like, you know, reports of like up to like 1200 people are dead. It's to me, it's like, I can't even fathom 1200 people dying from like an earthquake to me. It's like, what have we been doing? Like, where has the, the international help come from? What has the international help been doing over the last decade since the last earthquake to where another one happens and another it's 1200 the, people die? It's like, what, what the hell it's has been infrastructure. happening? It's it, because you know, you got buildings that are just being put up by the people there and the infrastructure is not great to sustain this. And so people are dying literally overnight when uh, buildings are collapsing on them. Like it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. I do not have the, Oh yeah. So February, the prime minister estimated that 250,000 residences um, were severely damaged and does not tell me people. Hold on. Oh, and while I'm still looking at this, think about this. They just had their president assassinated before all this happened. Very true. That is another wrinkle. Like uh, how much can one, how much can one, how much can one country take? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's awful, man. It's, you know, but again, it all comes back to, and we're fighting over masks, like wearing masks and yet, and like, you know, and even people here want to talk about oppression and things like that. Like, you want to talk about oppression? Look at Afghanistan. You want to talk about, uh, you know, like suffering? Look at Haiti. Like, look at, uh, like, we've got it so good here where the, the things that we pick and choose to, to fight over and cry about, it, I, I know the rest of the world looks at us and just goes, y'all are so soft. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, yes, that death toll was over 200,000. Can you imagine that one event, 200,000 people? I, it's hard for me to even imagine what 200,000 people are, yet alone them dying in one event. Um, awful. Yeah, Haiti, Haiti needs the world's help. And um, yeah, I, I think that, that uh, we're talking about they're having so many issues right now as far as like even trying to get aid to where the earthquake affected them right now. You can't even get aid there by road because the roads are manned by different gangs that are there and so they're trying to fly stuff in it's it's not as accessible as Port-au-Prince was um man prayers are going up for Haiti but more than that we need to actually have like we need like the UN like people to come in and like yo we we gotta start start with infrastructure we gotta like not take over but man we gotta come in and just pump in resources um to the country to ensure this doesn't keep happening dude it feels like I feel like every single morning I wake up, I see a report of an earthquake somewhere else, um, like a pretty massive earthquake. I mean, it just goes into climate change, but that's a different, a uh, different topic yeah, for a different yeah, day. We, we will um, look. But yeah, man, we just need, you know, people need to come together. I mean, same thing in Afghanistan. Like when these places are hurting, uh, you know, I feel like it's imperative for a collective group of, of countries and places to come together and, and help lift up those people. Isn't that why we have the UN? Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. United Nations. I mean, it sounds right, right? right. right. Y'all, y'all gonna put, be put on yeah, notice. Look, y'all, y'all sleeping on the job. Um, but, man, I want to end this. So, each episode, I think we'll, what we'll do is we're, we're going to end it with 
uh, that what hill are you willing to die on? Um, so I'll present the question to you first here in ending. Basically, with, with, with current events, the way things are going on right now, what, what hill are you willing to die on this week? Well, I wasn't going to go with current events. I was going to go more so go with mental health. Um, even here, you speak about like what you're going through with your uh, COVID. Um, I, the hill I'm willing to die on is not to let issues kind of overwhelm me. Like I, I, cause I found myself in that place yesterday, just having some thoughts and things like that. And sometimes it's like, it can affect my mood. And so the hill I'm willing to die on is to not let my thinking, stinking, thinking overcome me. What about you? What hill are you willing to die on? Like, where do we get stinking thinking from? That sounds like a cheesy preacher quote. Hey, I'm a speaker. So I got a bunch of cheesy stuff in my, um, hill I'm willing to die. Mine is more um, relevant to the times. Um, and my, my, my biggest right, were thing you, is, Were you trying to say mine wasn't relevant? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, mine, mine just has to do with the refugees from Afghanistan. Uh, I think we need to be doing anything and everything to, to welcome as many refugees as possible. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw Lauren, Laura Ingram, which I hate to even say her name on this show, but I saw a Laura Ingram video talking about, do we have a responsibility to accept refugees? Should we be doing that? And it's like, yes, very, very clearly, yes, we have a responsibility. I don't, to I don't think there's ever been a more clear case than what's happening right now, for sure. Absolutely. And so for, but of course, you know, she's pandering to her audience and she has a, a large audience in, in this country who are just sitting there thinking, going, you know what? She's right. Should we even be accepting refugees? Like they don't, I mean, she had, she had said citizens. something about like, we don't know the, the threat any of them pose in coming over here. And it's like, look, man, we've been over there in their country for 20 years, dropping bombs on their country, killing innocent people for two decades. We absolutely, um, have a responsibility to accept as many refugees as possible. They're displaced because of our involvement in their country. Um, and so, you know, governors across the, the country here, I'm sure the pressure is being turned up on them uh, individually to, to whether they're going to accept or, you know, deny refugees or something like that, or like say that, Hey, our state here, we're open for refugees. Uh, you know, what I love, um, the university right down the street from us, um, Tulsa University, to you, um, I saw an article, I didn't get a chance to open up and read it, but they're offering two scholarships, like full-ride scholarships for um, two refugees from Afghanistan. And I didn't get a chance to open it. I read the article because I was, you know, different, studying for different things. But uh, I love to see things like that, different either businesses, uh, states, um, universities, whatever it is, like saying, hey, we're going to like open our arms, open our doors to those people. Because to me, that's, that's like what being an American is. That's what yeah. America should be is a sense of like, what is it? Like on Statue of Liberty, it says something like, you know, give us your, your, your hurt and your broken and your but I just something think along we, those lines. Yeah, I just think <laughs> we should stop looking at people as what, they're taking from us and view them in what they're bringing to us. You know what I mean? Like when you have people coming like they're they're they can be assets when we provide a context for them to grow, when people to, to thrive. I mean, right. 
I don't know why. It's just people start looking at people as burdens, and that's not what a refugee is. Not yeah. in America. We don't need we don't need to make people feel like burdens here. Absolutely. So yeah, man, that's the hell I'm willing to die on. I'm willing to 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 hit up my governor and be like, yo, we need we we absolutely need to be taking in refugees. Um, hell, I'll go to DC and send the, the steps and, and and scream with my blowhorn. But um, yeah, man. Well, so, uh, enjoyed having the conversation with you. Yeah. Hope you guys have enjoyed this. Uh, yeah. Catch you guys on the next one. Check you later.